Before I start the message, I just wanted to speak to everyone personally in regard to what I'm going to speak about today. What I speak about today is about marriage, about husbands and wives, but really it impacts all of us. It's, it's um, God's message in the Bible is about Jesus Christ, and it's not just about marriage. But we're going to touch on that today, but I understand that we all come from different walks of life. We have uh, widowers here and widows and um, mixed families, and we all come from different backgrounds, but we all have one Savior, Jesus Christ. He gives us his grace and his mercy. So as we start this morning, I just wanted to kind of give you encouragement with that. And I pray you'd be praying for me, because I've preached before, and I think for some strange reason, preaching about marriage and family is difficult, and I'm not sure why. So pray for me as I talk to you this morning. So Ron mentioned before, I still do. So we kind of lead up to that. We want to give you a message about marriage and family. So we want to speak to you about that. And I want you to do something. If you can stand, if you can, if you can't, don't worry about it. But if you can, stand up. Don't you love it when I give you stuff to do? All right, now you're going to hate this next part because you're going to hate it, but just do it anyway. Close your eyes. I will not throw anything at you. Now raise one of your arms up in the air, if you can. Now, using your internal GPSs, point north. <laughs> I'm sorry I'm laughing. I was hoping this would happen. Um, most of you have. Now, don't move your arms. Don't move your arms. Just open your eyes and look around if you can. Most of you are pointing north. The Bogans are pointing north. Most of you are pointing north. Ron is pointing towards the Empire State Building. <laughs> All right? And then we have, you can stop and you can sit. All right. The reason why I do that, and I'm glad it worked, there are so many different directions that the world comes to when it comes to marriage. When it comes to what God has to say what he created, what he made, the world will tell you that north is west, right? So that's what we want to understand. There's another thing I want to do this morning as we move into the message. We all want to leave this morning. You want to get up this morning? You want to walk out those doors? We all want to be pointed in the same direction when it comes to what we're learning this morning. The other thing I want to do is I want to make sure, as I mentioned before, that you know, marriage and family. Some of you might be sitting there saying, well, I'm single. What does this have to do with me? Everything. We need you. We need encouragement. We need you to pray. I had a missionary uh, recently wrote a letter to a lot of people that support him, and he said, as I'm writing this letter, I can hear the geese going overhead. As the geese are going overhead, they were honking, and geese honk because they want to encourage. They basically are saying, keep going. Don't stop. Keep going. Now, I would do a great geese call, and I would try to make noise, but it wouldn't work. So I had fun yesterday. Anyone was in the church, they'd probably say, we got geese in the church. What's going on? So I went to Dick's Sporting Goods. Let's check this out. Okay. Anyone ever hear that? You probably hate geese because they poop all over the place and everything. You don't like them. But geese are the one, there's a leader, okay? And then they're kind of in that formation, well, the, the geese that are going, what they're doing is they're saying, keep going, you can do it, don't stop. And that's what we want to do this morning. We want to encourage people that are husbands and wives, singles, wherever you are in a family, we want to encourage each other. And that's what we want to do. Next time you see geese, think of me blowing this in church. Okay? All right. 
Sounds like New Year's Eve. Okay, I got more stuff too. So as we, you're probably wondering, when is he ever going to get to the Bible? So we're going to get to God's Word. So I, we're going to be in Ephesians. And also what I wanted to do is I wanted to make sure we kind of knew about what we're, what we're going to be reading this morning. Paul wrote Ephesians, and it's one of the epistle, one of the ones he wrote in prison. And it, it's like a treasure chest. It's, it's an amazing treasure. He tells us about all the spiritual blessings that we have in Christ. He says, this is all that you have in Christ, your redemption, your Savior, your Master. And then he says, that's the first three chapters of Ephesians. And then what he says in the last three chapters of Ephesians, this is how you should spend your treasure, mostly in your relationships with other people. This is what you should do. And that's basically how we're moving into what we're going to speak about this morning. So I'm going to read the, the verses that we're going to go over. And if you can just follow with me in your pew Bible, it's Ephesians chapter 5. <laughs> just in case someone's sleeping. You follow with me. My version is a little different, but it's pretty much right on point. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Now, you can move down with me to, to verse 18. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. And then if you just move with me to verse 21. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Let me pray. Father, these are great and amazing and encouraging words. Help us this morning, Lord. Help me, help us to see your great plan for the family that it's not about us, that it's about you, that it's about Jesus Christ, it's about the cross, it's about salvation, it's about that we don't stay here that long, that we may suffer here for a short period, serving you and loving you and honoring you and going through all the things that we need to go through with the trials in life, that we will be with you soon, Lord. Help us, Father, to love each other as you love us. So as we move into the message, I wanted to make sure that you know that usually you get three points. I have seven. I like that number. And every time I do a sermon, the last couple, I always wind up at seven. I promise it will not be an hour and a half. I practiced this the other day. I got halfway through, and it was at 40 minutes. Okay. So someone check the clock. In chapter 5, verse 1. It's saying that we should love like Christ. 
that not just in our marriages, but in our relationships, we need to love like Christ. Do you know that the love that God gives each one of us is extravagant? It's not stingy. It's not like me, a guy at work, he says, Mark, your shoes squeak. Never knew what that meant. He goes, that means you're cheap. He goes, you're stingy. Like, he just picked that up about me. He goes, your shoes are always squeaking. God's shoes are not squeaking. He's extravagant in his love towards you and towards me. And when we're in a relationship as a husband and a wife or a father or a mother or whatever relationship with your, you and your, your um, siblings, our love to them needs to be like Christ's love. It needs to be one that gives and gives and gives and gives and gives and is not looking to get. Now, you cannot do that on your own. You're probably saying, Mark, yeah, that sounds nice, but I know myself and I know other people. Now, I heard, recently heard a story about missionaries, and this sort of brought it home to me about how we should love and maybe how our family should be focused. And as you're listening to me, please don't think that Linda and I are perfect in any sense, because maybe you say, wow, look at the Harrigans. You know, they're, they're happy and everything's going. You just live with us for a couple of days, and you might go running out the door. So I just want to let you know that when I speak today, I'm not speaking as a perfect married man or a perfect husband or perfect anything, praise God, because we all need the cross. We all need God. We all need his grace. So the story that I heard of these missionaries is a husband and a wife, and they got on a plane to go back. They were on furlough, and they were going back to where they served. And as they got on the plane, the husband made sure the wife was buckled in, and he was buckled in. And as the plane took off, this true story, um, the plane was hijacked. And the hijackers basically decided to, to say, we want to go to Australia. The only thing is they didn't realize that there wasn't enough gas or fuel in the plane to make it to Australia. So halfway across the ocean, the plane started to run out of gas, run out of fuel. The pilot came on and said, look, I'm not going to mince words. We're going down. We're going down. You need to buckle up. It's going to be bad. Well, the wife remembered who survived the crash. She remembered hearing the buckle unbuckle. Her husband got up and stood, and he grabbed the Bible. And he stood there in the middle of the aisle, an aisle like this. He stood there, and he said, you need to listen to me. You need to understand the most important thing in your life is your relationship with God, with Jesus Christ. And if you don't have that, you are going to die, and you're not going to be with God. You need to put your faith in Christ. I can't make you do that. God will do that in your life. You need to put your faith in him. The 125 people died on that plane. But the people who survived remember saying, they remembered him, what he was saying, and they, many of them accepted Christ and lived their lives for him. The reason why I tell you that story is that in our families and in our relationships, we need to be living like the plane is going down. We, I get so wrapped up in, in so many different things that really don't even matter. We need to live like the plane is going down and show the love of Christ that's extravagant and that is giving and that is loving and is not looking to take. Now, I could stand in my living room every day and read the Bible to my kids. And by the third day, they basically wouldn't even know I was standing there. So that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about living our lives in the trials and the struggles that we have and God's grace and his mercy and in forgiveness and that they could see we're not perfect. I say bad things. I lie sometimes. I have unforgiveness in my heart. But my family can see that I ask God for forgiveness and I ask him for help. 
And that's how we need to live like the plane is going down. So we can't save our kids. I can't save my wife. She can't save me. Only God can do that. So we need to live like God. We need to live like Christ. The second one is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You know, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. How hard is that when you're in a family with people? How difficult that is. You know, I remember when, when we were young, and I remember coming home, and I remember for some strange reason, I was annoyed that there was a Cheerio on the floor. Yes, I know, I'm kind of silly. But it bothered me. Here my wife is taking care of, I don't know how many kids at the time, and doing everything, and I'm focused on a Cheerio on the floor. That annoyed me. It shouldn't annoy me. So we need to be filled with the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness to one another. And trust me, my wife has said so much love, joy, peace, and kindness towards me. There's um, a pastor called Francis Chan, and this is what he wrote. He wrote, I love Lisa Chan. There is no human being I love more. We fell madly in love with each other and were married in 1994. 20 years and five kids later, the love keeps growing. Day after day, she has stood faithfully by my side, loving me, encouraging me, and challenging me. She's my best friend. Life together has been amazing, and the best is yet to come. So a strange thing happened when Lisa and I started living with an eternal lens. When you start living with the fact that God himself lives inside of you, and he lives inside of you to point you to him and to point others to him for not just here. I remember uh, when Tim was here, he preached a sermon on how short this life is and how long eternity is. And that's how we should be living our lives. It caused us to enjoy the here and now. People will tell you to focus on your marriage, on each other, but we discovered that focusing on God's mission, focusing on God, made our marriage amazing, and this caused us to experience Jesus deeply. Now, this next part, I could have said. I probably, I could have just said the same thing, except a little different things, but he says, truth be told, Lisa and I have very little in common. I love sports. She doesn't. She loves them all. I hate it with a passion. I love weird Asian food. She thinks it's creepy. She likes serious conversations. I enjoy sarcasm. Now, this is the next point. Remember this. This will keep you strong in any relationship, not just your marriage. I love Jesus. She loves Jesus. That's enough. That's enough. You know, and I could stand here and probably tell you tons of stories about Linda and I. I mean, at, at dinner, do you know that I make, no matter what she makes, I make a sandwich out of it? No matter what it is. She could make a ham and have uh, roast beef with gravy, and I'll be, I'll be right back. And I'll come back with my Hellman's, and I'll come back with two pieces of bread. And, and she's still married to me. It's amazing. So we need to be loving like Christ and filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, the next part is that we need to be arranged by God. Now, if you go to verse 21, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Now, God is setting up here the next verses that come when I'm going to actually say, 
wives need to submit to their husbands. But if you just start there, some people might say, well, why do I get the short end of the stick? Why do I got to submit to him? Why can't he submit to me? Some people might say that. I don't know. But if you learn what it says, the verse before, we can all understand what Paul is talking about. As you go through this chapter, he's talking about one another, each of us together. And then he goes on to speak about husbands and wives, but he goes on to speak about workers and employee, employees and workers and parents and children. There's a word there for to be subject to. It means to be arranged under in rank. Just like the geese that I was telling you about, and you people are going to take this thing out of my hand. <laughs> Just like the geese I was telling you about, they're arranged under in rank, but they're still encouraging the leader. See, I am hubitasso. That's the word for being arranged under. Now, I want you to do another thing. It's not closing your eyes, but do me a favor and say, Hubitasso. Just like my Iwana kids, I say the same thing. That was really lousy. You got it? Do it again. Hubitasso. A little better. What it means is to be arranged under in rank. So we are arranged under in rank. We need to be submitting and honoring to each other. So when you get to this verse about wives submit to your husbands, it's being arranged under and rank. And we understand that God is the creator of marriage. We are not. We understand what Genesis says that man, it is not good for man to be alone. And I could tell you that. My wife will go out of the house and I will, my kids will go out of the house and I will be like, yes, they're gone. Fifteen minutes later. Where are they? This is horrible. I mean, that's an extreme example, but I hate being by myself without my wife and without my kids. I think I want to be, but God has made it, men, that we need, to, we need our wives. We need their help. We need their support. You cannot do it on your own. I've learned that over and over and over and over again, and I'll keep learning it over and over again because God is telling me I cannot do it on my own. So at work, I give you an example about Hubitasso, there's a CEO of the company. Well, my, my boss, say he's the executive vice president, he's Hubitasso to the CEO. And I am Hubitasso to my boss. And that's basically what he, God is saying here, that in each of our relationships, he's arranged it. God has arranged it. And we need to follow his plan. Now, I'm going to mess this up, and I'm going to apologize to my daughter beforehand because my brain doesn't always work well. But I heard something the other day that made me really having an encouragement for marriage, an encouragement for relationships. My daughter was taking a motorcycle test with Mike Saladino. You all know she's getting married in November. And she didn't pass the test. And he passed the test. Of course, she was sad, and he was a, a, a little happy about, ooh, I passed the test. So I'm going to mess it up, but the whole point of the story is that I had heard that when he found out that she was sad, he had said to her that, how can I truly be happy? I can't really be happy because half of me is sad. That's the picture of what it means in a marriage. Now, and I think of the muscles, too, and I, had to, I have to tell you this. Joyce stood up here weeks ago when he spoke about Mark, and it almost brought me to tears to think that when she stood here and she said that she looked underneath the blanket to make sure that his heart was still beating. 
See, that, to me, is a picture of the two of them being one. The two of them being one, and that's what God is. Jesus Christ is one with the body, us. And you know that marriage, a husband and a wife, is a picture of Jesus Christ and the church. That is an unbelievable responsibility. But we, we can do it because we're filled with God. So think of it that way, that we are arranged by God and we need to follow his plan. Wives, the next thing, believe it or not, we're on point number five. Wives, lift up your husbands. Support them. Help them. You know, that comes from verse 22. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. That you are to be helping them and that you are be to be submitting to them, but to be arranged under in rank. And when you get this right, when we get this right, a husband doing what he needs to do and a wife doing what she needs to do, it's an amazing thing, and you could see it. And it makes an impact on everybody. Now, I, I'll admit to my wife that I kind of went through her stuff. But I didn't look at anything. But I found this. Lord, I lift my husband to you today and pray according to your word that you give him strength to lead, time to know his family, and passion to manage his home. Bless his work and show him daily how to honor you in his attitude and his spirit. Confirm the work of his hands unto your purpose, that he will be wise steward of our finances and all that we possess. He will love you with all his heart, his soul, his strength, and hate evil. He will be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. To protect him physically, mentally, and spiritually. You give him the desire to teach and model a godly lifestyle for our children. You will understand him. He will understand you and your instruction and teach him the way that he should go. That he would meditate on your word day and night and pray without ceasing. That he would develop a strong relationship with other godly men. You're going to lift up your husband or you're going to lift up your wife. Please pray for them. You know, every once in a while, Linda will say, I prayed for you. That is a huge thing. That they're praying that we would be able to be the men and women that we need to be in Christ. So number six. Wives, help your husband love as Christ loves and lead well. Now, I have to tell you, the next story I'm going to tell you is recent. And it's kind of hard to believe. I almost wish it was 27 years ago when I met my wife, but it wasn't. It was probably about two years ago, and my wife needed two cornea transplants. She had the operation for one eye. We went to the doctor. I, I got off work in the morning. We went to the doctor. We went in, and the doctor was very nice, and he said to Linda, how's things going? She said, they're going okay, but she couldn't see. So the doctor... As Linda and I are walking down the hall, the doctor says, Mark, Mark, stop. See, what was happening was I was not leading Linda, and she could not see. So what was happening was I was actually holding on to Linda's arm. I don't know why I was doing that. 
So I'm holding on to Lynn's arm, and she's blind, can't see. So as we're walking down the aisle, she's walking, can't see, I'm holding on, and this doctor must be thinking, what is wrong with this man? So he had me stop, and he said, this is what you need to do. Linda took her arm, put it on my arm. Mark, you go. And as we led, I led her. I led her down the aisle. I led her out the door. I led her into the car because she couldn't see. My job is to lead, and I'll be very honest with you. One of the things I hate to do is lead. I will give it up to anybody. You go ahead. I don't need to go. Why do I need to do it? It's not in my nature, but I need to lead. God said, just like he said, wives, submit to your husbands. Mark, love your wife as I love the church. You have to do that. And in leading her, I'm loving her. And that actually happened about two years ago, and it was like, wow, I can't believe it. I want to read you a poem. It's an Irish poem. My wife, a tender shoulder to rest upon, a patient ear to sound upon, a soft, a soft caress I depend upon, a loving heart to rely upon. All these things I find in you, my only lover and my best friend. And that sums it up very well. The other thing Linda helped me to do as far as raising our children. You probably wondered, a lot of people who are very observant Noticed all this stuff, and some people who aren't observant didn't see it, but I'll, I'll show you. These are two precious moments. I don't know if they're as popular as they were back in, back in the day, if I could say that, but these precious moments helped me, and Linda helped me as we were a young couple and we had children to lead my family in love, and sometimes you have to lead in love and discipline. Sounds strange, but if you discipline your child, you're saying that you love them if you do it in the right way. Well, Linda came to me and said, you know what, we got to do something about Robert, if you can believe that. My son Robert, who's the most mild-mannered, nice young man you'd ever meet, well, when he was little, he would take anything he could find and he would smash them together. So Linda said to me one time, she goes, you know, we got to do something about this. And I, immediately I was like, oh, well, I'm never, ever, ever going to discipline my children. I'm ne certainly never going to spank their bottom. I, I won't do it. So Linda was like, well, okay. She said, go ahead. You try that. And, and she went out. She went out with the ladies or Pioneer Girls or whatever. And when she got home, I was on board. Because Robert took two precious moments in front of me and went, Daddy, bam! And they went all over the place. Then he just started just smashing things. She gave me a book by Dr. Dobson, Dare or Discipline. And that really helped me read through it and understand that by me disciplining my son, isn't saying that I'm punishing him or hurting him or, or want to hurt him. It's saying that I, I love you and I need to show you the right way to go. So we have a lot of these precious moments. If you look at them closely, they got all cracks in them and Elmer's glue. Hmm. And one last thing, and I know I'm telling you a lot of stories and telling you a lot of examples, and I hope that's okay, but I remember... For my parents, for me, I was eight years old. And you talk about helping husbands to lead and to love like Christ. Well, one thing I'll never, ever forget. I was about eight years old. I have four brothers. We're all downstairs in a brand new home in Smithtown. We moved from Levittown. And I remember looking up and seeing my father standing on the stairs 
cradling my mom and just holding her. And I'd never seen that before. She had a, a tubal pregnancy she didn't know about. And she was bleeding internally. And uh, she almost didn't make it. And for me, to see my dad holding my mom, to me, that is what it means to love your wife, to cherish her, to do everything you can to show the love of Christ and God to your wife. And pray never be in that kind of situation, but may it be just in a daily way. Wives, last thing. Show that you love Christ and that you love God more than you love your husband. I beg you, don't worship us. And I'm sure you don't because I know. <laughs> it's like, okay. But in general sense, don't bow down to your husband. Don't bow down to him. Don't bow down to us. Worship God by loving us, by loving us, supporting us, and helping us to be the leaders that we need to be. But everything you do should be towards God. One of the key ways that that happened for us is forgiveness. Linda showed me God by forgiving me. Because many times, I would say the first five years of our marriage, very, 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 very difficult and very hard and very great and very amazing. But we just kind of came together. Her, her mom and dad, I don't think ever fought. I came from a house where my mom said, there's nothing like a good fight. So you get two people that get together that, you know, I'm fighting and Linda's saying, well, I, I guess that's it. It's done. I'm saying, what are you talking about? This is what we're supposed to do. So you have to understand two people come together. So I think forgiveness is one of the biggest things that Linda showed me. And one of the ways I understood that was when we moved to Miller Place and we were only married a couple of years. My brain, believe it or not, works much better than it used to. <laughs> but I would be forgetful for the first couple of years of marriage. And I, I, <laughs> I worked in Jericho, Long Island, and Linda lived in Miller Place with me, and we had, I think, but we had two cars, so we left one at home for her to get to work. I took all the keys to work with me, the keys for her car to get to work. I'm going to be wrong, but I think she was eight months pregnant, and it was over two miles to work. So I'm at work, and I get a phone call. And my wife starts to tell me, and I tell you, she could have probably put her arm through the phone and ripped my head right off. She walked, and I, every time I drive into Miller Place and I drive to Rocky Point, every time I look in amazement at where my wife walked. And she, when she got to work, she actually started having labor pains. <laughs> Why she didn't kill me, I don't know. But she forgave me. That's showing that she loves God more than she loves me, that she shows the example of what Christ does for us. Now, what I want to do, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I don't know if I should uh, apologize for my emotionalness, but it, it just comes out. But at the, this is the end of the sermon, and we are done except for one thing. I'm just going to walk down, and I'm going to stand next to my wife. And if you are married, uh, you're a husband and a wife, I would ask you to stand, and I would say to everyone else, please don't feel left out. 
I ask you to lift us up and pray for us because we need your help. So I'm going to stand next to Linda. She's over there. And I would ask everyone who is married if you would stand up. And I would ask if you were married, I would ask you to hold hands. And I understand asking you to do that's interesting because I know there's many times that Linda and I have gone to church where we might have had a hard time holding hands. Father, we pray, we beg, we ask all of us here, every soul, that you would watch over our marriages as a husband and as a wife, that we would love you, Lord, more than anything, that we'd be filled with your Holy Spirit, we would understand what it means to be arranged by you and follow that plan. Father, that you would help wives to lift us up and support us, to show us that they love you more than anything. Lord, help us, we pray. I would also ask, Lord, that if there is a couple here today that maybe is struggling and maybe having a hard time, Father, that you would put your healing hand upon them and show them that it is never, ever too late, that you are always there with forgiveness and love and grace and mercy, and that you could always make things new. Father, be with the ones who are not married here. Be with ones that come from a broken family or mixed family or widows or widowers. And we just want to say to you, Lord, that we love you and we praise you and that you would help us walk out that door this morning all pointed in the right direction towards you. In Jesus' name, amen.